Welcome to the Higher Potential Living Podcast, where we discuss improving quality of life by exploring mind, body, and spirit through a mindful lens. Here's your host, Jason Marichello. Hello, and thanks for signing on once again on this episode of A Higher Potential Living. We have the lovely Lauren Wolf. Lauren is not only my wife, but she is also a women's sexuality and wellness coach. And outside of her yoga practice, she spends a lot of time doing women's circle and work around womb wisdom. In this episode, we dive a little deeper into some of the stuff we actually touched on on our earlier episode. We did do another episode with Lauren months ago where we talked about yogic philosophies. Um, We're diving a little bit further in, but we're going to be talking about things like Tantra, how to actually use some of that Kundalini energy, use some of that sexual, sensual energy, and transmute that into the rest of our, our lives and the other things that we do. We're also going to talk about some of the traumas that can be written in the body, in the mind, over years of different conditioning. And on an episode that I did with Cam Frazier, we spoke specifically about working through some of these traumas as men. In this episode, Lauren's going to dive deeper into how these traumas may manifest for women who have been um, through some challenging times in their lives, which, let's be honest, who hasn't? So definitely worth listening to, and I hope you get something out of it. Hello and welcome everyone. We are joined by my lovely wife, Lauren Wolf. And Lauren, this is the the second time we've had you on the show now. Hi everyone, yes. When I say we've had you on the show, I mean me, that I've, <laughs> that I've somehow managed to talk you into doing another one of these. Absolutely. <laughs> so last time we talked about yoga, we got into the depths of yoga, and um, I say the depths of yoga, but really is a lot more to it. Oh, for sure. And even what we're going to be covering today is, you know, really different forms of of yoga as well. Absolutely. Although we may not think of it as such at first. But today we're going to be talking about womb wisdom. So um, this, the idea of this episode came up because I had Cam Frazier on talking a lot about um, male sexuality and a lot of that kind of stuff and trying to think of who would be a good person to give the the feminine take on uh, on a lot of the trauma, a lot of the work that we have to do, on some of the conditioning and narratives that we have to work through just in order to be sane human beings. And then I was like, oh, I have a wife. And uh, that's where that's where you came in. And not just not just that you're my wife, but because you work in this field. Yeah, exactly. So um, even though you gave an introduction last time, that introduction was based around Uh, the yoga side of things. So I was wondering if you can kind of like reintroduce yourself, but more from a place of this, this womb wisdom, what got you into this work and got you inspired to do your own work on this journey? Mm, Absolutely. So um, my journey with this has been a long one for sure. And it basically started because of my upbringing. And uh, so for those of you who don't know, I was brought up in a very patriarchal religious uh, framework. And it was the kind of thing where sexuality and sensuality aren't talked about, let alone practiced. Um, And that sexuality is very, very repressed, especially women's sexuality, especially for anything other than procreation and even in that there's no you know pleasure there's no enjoying the experience of being sexual or sensual with yourself or someone else so this was a huge shame piece for me that I started to really realize was taking a very negative toll on not only my relationship with myself but my relationship with you as as you are aware because you went through that with me um but through the last few years it's really become a deep dive i'd started looking at some of this quite a few years ago and i thought i had done a lot of healing i had done a lot of healing 
as far as that goes. Um, I'm also a sexual abuse survivor. Um, so I went through years, unfortunately, of sexual abuse as a child. Also in that religious context, um, actually in the place where we used to go to church. And yeah, so that is something that I've had to come to terms with and forgive people for and work through myself. And I'm sure for anyone who's also experienced sexual assault or sexual abuse, um, it's something that affects every aspect of your life and every relationship you have, especially the one with yourself. So I started working on healing through that, like really actively healing through that about um, seven or eight years ago. And the last three years have been particularly um, powerful that way. Everything kind of came to a head in 2018. You and I were struggling a lot in our mm -hmm. marriage because mm -hmm. I was really, really in a bad place with this. And I didn't really know that there was a way forward through it. Um, luckily, I found an amazing therapist who really understood not only sexual abuse, but also mindfulness and somatic work and moving from the body up. So the, the bottom up method of therapy. And she had a really fantastic way of working through that with me and was able to help me kind of unstick a lot of the stuff that felt really, really stuck in my body and in my mind. And so that kind of propelled me forward even more into this work. And it has been an incredible journey, especially the last few years, to um, really give me a lot of motivation to not only keep working on myself and keep healing through that, but also to really want to dive into it deeper with other women. I've been running women's circles for many years now, basically as long as we've owned the studio, so about six years. Um, but... It's, it's definitely shifted over the last few because of my own experience. And uh, I now do one-on-one -on -one work with women as well, um, as far as sexuality, sensuality, womb wisdom, as you mentioned, those words at the very beginning, and basically everything related to that, including Tantra. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, a whole lot there to unpack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's really interesting because as I've been doing the work that I've been doing, I, you know, I, I, I grew up in a household with, with two boys and it was a very regular thing to have like Sunday night with Sue playing in the background. Mm. So a very different upbringing than the one that you described where Absolutely. sexuality and all this was, was suppressed. At one point in time, my mom was, um, was doing cleaning inside of office buildings and she would bring back pornography magazines for like my brother and I at a young age. So like, again, very different upbringing. Completely. But what uh, was surprising to me as I was kind of growing up because I didn't have that was how suppressed and how traumatized so many women are. And that there's so, because there's no conversations about this, mm -hmm. there's so much confusion. Oh, there's yeah. so much like, should I be blaming myself for this? Mm. You know, what did I, because again, like the patriarchy's going to feed down your throat this idea that we, you somehow did this, especially yes. within the religious bodies. Like, oh, men are weak. You know, they shouldn't be expected to be able to control themselves. So as mm. women, you know, you shouldn't be tempting men and like all these kinds of things come up. And I, you know, as I went through different stages in my life and dating lots of different women, hearing all of these stories were it, it was very eye-opening yeah and then of course as you mentioned going through our journey and having to hold space like make that decision am i going to be in that space am i going to be there to to support you through this because it's different times it was very challenging and how many people do have you know those individuals in their life that are willing to stand by them through those those struggles and challenges and, and all that. And I remember even when we went to go see the therapist, having her say, you know, like at the stage where you guys are, it kind of looks 50-50 at this point in time mm -hmm. from my experience, you know, where you were at, 50% of couples make it, 50% don't. And then just deciding, okay, well, we want to be, we want to be on the, on the, the side that makes it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So to unpack some of um, what you talked about, when you say like you started 
going through. Also, I want to mention like this is such a perfect topic for this podcast because while you're saying this, I'm thinking, okay, well, higher potential living, what is the idea behind this? And again, it's not just settling because how many, and we'll get to like the Mm. women that you've worked with, but how many women are out there that just accept I'm just numb down there mm-hmm. or, you know, I just, I, it must be something wrong with me. I just don't orgasm or, you know, these kinds of different mm-hmm. things and just accept that as that's just the way it is. And that's just the way it has to be. Or, you know, it's been like this so long, I'm over 50 years old. I'm not going to change now or, you know, something like this. So all of these things coming to head, like this is exactly what I want this podcast to be about. So I'm I'm really excited for this. Yeah. Like both hands up over here because that was that was me that was what i felt like i was numb for years the easiest thing to do was to not feel any of that because it was so triggering it was so um upsetting it was so hard to to deal with Mm -hmm. that i just i pushed it all down i repressed it all myself because that's what i had been taught to do and that shame piece like you said around the victim blaming we do that to ourselves because that's the messaging that we get, whether it's conscious or, or unconscious. That's the messaging that we get. So, yeah, I blamed my, myself for years and years and years that I somehow made that happen, that it was my fault. And so the shame and the guilt around all of that was huge and seemingly for a long, long time insurmountable. And yeah, like it's it's something that so many women And not just women, of -hmm. course, because there are so many people on this planet, unfortunately, who have had to deal with sexual abuse and assault and and even just the shame that I'm talking about from these messages that we get, that it is something that we typically, yeah, tend to numb out, tend to not allow ourselves to feel or experience, let alone work on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... For those that are kind of listening, just to kind of get them to be in the same like mind frame that we're talking about with this kind of potential trauma, like what are some of the ways that this can manifest inside the body? Understanding that everybody's, you know, body's different and the way the psychosomatic holds uh, trauma in tissues is is different. But what are some of the ways that the body can can hold on to this stuff? Well, there are a lot of different ways that that can happen. I'll speak about some of the ones from my own experience and from um, some of my clients as well. Um, But typically there's two ways we kind of go through that. We either avoid like crazy. Mm. (laughs) So we repress, we numb out, like I was just talking about, we shove it as far down as possible to hopefully never feel it again. Or we go the opposite way, where we try to feel everything else, Mm. but that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, unfortunately, there's there's this kind of place of imbalance that we get to either by not wanting to feel anything or wanting to feel all the things. And that can be really damaging both ways if there isn't a balance there. When we numb out, we numb out to everything. We numb out to our body's yeses and no's. Mm -hmm. We numb out to joy as well as pain, Mm -hmm. pleasure and pain. Like we need to experience both of those things in order to be balanced humans. And then the other way, some of us, Actually, they kind of overlap a little bit, too, because sometimes we numb out so much that we go to the pain in other places in order just to feel something, which is also really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, sometimes our conditioning because of traumas that we've had have led us to look for that even more. So for a lot of people with sexual abuse history or sexual assault history, it has become something that's now like validation almost. And there's a lot of stuff we could get into around that. But then we seek out those sexual experiences because we feel like that's our value, especially as women, I think, Mm -hmm. because of just the patriarchal culture that we live in. But it's something that we go toward to seek as validation 
but in unhealthy ways. When we're looking for validation rather than intimacy, rather than connection, mm -hmm. then that also becomes really damaging. And it's also kind of like a form of now I'm in control of it. Yes. If I'm the, you know, it's almost like the, the mm. hunter or the hunted. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm the one that's out there very active with it, now I'm, you know, in some way like, okay, this is me now. I'm yeah. going to be the, the dominant one. Or, yeah, yeah. That's basically it. It's like, okay, you either become hyposexual where it's like nothing or hypersexual where you go for all of those experiences. But again, neither of those things are really healthy if they're being approached from that kind of like anxious or avoidant um, place. Mm -hmm. And those things, although they start, you know, maybe emotionally or mentally, will eventually also manifest in other ways. They will manifest physically. Sometimes a lot of reproductive health issues stem from sexual trauma, mm. whatever that might be. It could be surgery. It could be all kinds of things, but trauma in your sexual reproductive organs or anywhere in that energy center. So the sacral chakra specifically, physical issues start to manifest eventually like pain. And that was also part of my experience. Like painful sex is a really, really big um, very common symptom for a lot of women and that can come from all kinds of places. We probably don't have time to get into all that today, but if that is something that you're experiencing, it's worth looking at, looking at, it's worth, um, seeking professional help for because you don't have to live like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> Some big topics already. Bit, maybe not quite as light as our yoga. Oh, it's, was, it's heavy, but... but that's that's reality. That's life. But it's also heavy because we don't talk about this stuff. Exactly. Right? Like it doesn't have to be this way. True. And one of the things about like not talking about stuff, that leads into the topic of how often this isn't even discussed within mm. relationships. Yes. Which is super powerful because now you're talking about, say, someone who... For them, sex is painful mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe they're just numb and it's like, okay, well, I could go with or without. It doesn't really, you know, affect me much, but you're in a relationship mm -hmm. and you feel like it's your duty to, you know, be there for your partner, whether it be a man or a woman or whatever. And you then put yourself in a situation where you feel like, okay, well, I guess so. Or you're forcing yourself to do it. And you're, again, you're not voicing these things to mm -hmm. your partner. And this is where we can start building resentments. Oh, so much resentment. And additional trauma, which you really aren't doing yourself any favors. But this is the culture that we live in. And it's it, that's really, really sad to me and something that I really want to talk about and and break the stigma of because it it, it doesn't have to be that way mm -hmm. it can be pleasure for pleasure's sake not pleasure for your partner's sake mm -hmm. it can be all of it yeah i remember uh so speaking of cam frazier who he did the other podcast on um more of the men's sexuality kind of side of things i remember talking to him about a practice that was really eye-opening at one point in time and we may have even referenced this in the podcast, but it was a workshop that he had gone to and they talked about just recognizing when there is touch being initiated, who is it for? Mm. And so in this exercise that he described to me, there would be you and a partner sitting across from each other and first all the power would go on to say me. Mm -hmm. So then you would ask me, um, how would you like me to touch you? Mm -hmm. So now you're the one who's in the active role, but the pleasure is still for me. Mm -hmm. So you're touching me on however I want to be touched, whether it's a head massage or just having my back rubbed or something like that. And then the next question is, how do you want to touch me? And that would be the question you would be asking. So again, the pleasure would still be on me, but now I'm in the active seat. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a big question that people don't ask themselves sometimes. Hmm. Like, oh, how do... How do I want to be touched? How do I want to actually do the touching rather than, okay, well, what am I going to do for my partner? What am I going to do for my partner? How can I make them happy? How can I keep the attention off of me maybe mm. so that, you know, keep the spotlight away and mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. Um, so that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge area of just realization of like, what, 
would make it easier for you. One of the conversations that we had at one point in time was, I think you heard it from one of your podcasts about like 40 minutes of of actual, and I, I don't, I know the word foreplay is kind of outdated mm-hmm. because, you know, that at, that signifies that at the end there is, has to be like something else. Yeah. Penetrative sex or something like yeah. that. But for the sake of people who know the word foreplay for what we typically use it as, like 40 minutes of warming up warming up yeah warming up (laughs) and i've I've had those conversations with people before too and they're like 40 minutes that seems that seems like a lot of doing but it doesn't have to actually mean like that's when you uh, 40 minutes from when you light the candles and you you know Mm -hmm. dim the shades and all this kind of stuff it can be that flirtation that starts when you're cooking dinner yeah so it can be some texting on your you know, just before you leave work saying, you know, I, I'm looking forward to coming home and it's exactly. about cultivating this energy, right? Yeah. So what Jason's kind of talking about is that 40 minutes is typical for women be, um, to feel ready basically because your cervix takes that long to relax mm-hmm. in order for pleasure, especially penetrative sex, to be that enjoyable because if your vagina, the walls of your vagina or your cervix are tight, they just don't receive pleasure well. It won't feel as good as it could. That's what we're kind of talking about. But yes, um, one of my teachers actually referred to men's turn on and women's turn on um, as different, so turn on arousal, whatever you want to call it as being like different things. So men's turn on more like rocket fuel. Mm -hmm. It lights very quickly and then you're ready to go. Awesome. Great. Mm -hmm. Women's turn on (laughs) is more like water. If water is cold or frozen, bringing that to a boil is going to take a lot of time and energy and yeah. energy yeah. absolutely but it takes a lot more effort to get there so in and this is something that i talk about with my clients because what we typically want to do is keep ourselves our sexual energy especially women but i would say men too but especially women at like a simmer mm-hmm. so that when we do want to kind of take action on that and give or receive pleasure in that way that we're already simmering. We're already kind of warm mm-hmm. and it's first of all, a lot more enjoyable because you're already in that playful flirtatious kind of like alive with life place. And then it doesn't take necessarily as long to feel ready, to feel open to receive energetically as well as perhaps physically. And we're slowly starting to we're slowly starting to shift into some tantric concepts mm-hmm. without actually like talking about it, which we're gonna hold off still. We're okay. not gonna get there just yet. <laughs> but uh, I remember reading about this in the book uh, Multi Orgasmic Man. Yeah. And in that book, they talk about even studies that have been done um, with worms in seeing that like male worms when they are this is specifically about a a seminal retention practice Mm -hmm. but if they can stay maintaining that state of arousal but not necessarily um, ejaculation Mm -hmm. that they they saw that the longevity of the life of these worms actually increased quite a bit which is really fascinating now we're talking about like the actual power of this whether you want to call it sensual sexual tantric kundalini energy Mm -hmm. that um has incredible capabilities beyond the bedroom as well absolutely so you know we're talking about all of that sacral chakra stuff and the way you can transmute it into creativity um motivation like i remember one of the things that uh i read somewhere again about in my own journey with uh, men's sexuality is like if you're feeling sexually frustrated like Mm. you just which would be kind of like you have a pressure release valve and it's not releasing. It's not coming out in little ways. It's getting bottled up and the pressure is building and building and building. Mm-hmm. Like at that point in time, drop and try to do like 10 push-ups or do some chin-ups or something like that. 
And I remember going through a period of time of exploring this and I could do more chin-ups from that place of heightened um, sacral energy mm -hmm. than I could otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really interesting. So I was wondering if you could like maybe start by, we're going to start shifting into a little bit more of like the energetic side of this kind of stuff. But uh, maybe for those that are listening, when we're referring to sacral chakra, we're referring to like this kind of energy, maybe we can start to give a little bit of voice around and some words around what we're talking about. Sure. You want me to talk about like Tantra? Sure. Okay. Let's just, let's get oh, into okay. Tantra. Yeah, okay. that's great. Let's go. Tantra, <laughs> Neo-Tantra. Sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So the, the energy that we are talking about is sexual energy. Um, you could also term it as turn on or arousal if you like. That is usually a more, more tangible um, analogy for people. But all of it relates to sexual or sensual energy, creative energy, life force energy, kundalini energy, whatever you want to call it. So a few of those last terms are from the yogic traditions. Mm. Um, and in a lot of those traditions, that life force energy is activated through certain practices and some of those that you t did talk about with cam fraser were um things like having a pleasure practice mm -hmm. giving yourself pleasure sexual or otherwise just perhaps sensual pleasure to activate that energy to bring it through your body instead of just having it live um, concentrated in the sacral chakra, which is an energy center um, in yoga that is located at the pelvis. So it, it is also responsible for your reproductive organs, your sexuality, um, your genitals are related to that energy center as well. Um, but the sacral chakra area, um, we want to spread that life force energy, which is also called vital energy, um, that word vitality is really big in a lot of Eastern traditions as well. We want to spread that throughout the body rather than just keep it kind of like an ember mm -hmm. in the pelvis. So moving it through the body, through practices like exploring your sensuality or sexuality or energy orgasms or breath work or even asana. So yogic postures mantras or sound mm -hmm. all these things can move that energy in different ways and then it can be felt more fully experienced and utilized in whatever way you see fit whether that's a, a creative pursuit or whether that's bringing it to a relationship bringing it to another partner to kind of meld with theirs and explore that together like all of those things are possible with that sexual or sensual energy and, you know, for those that do know a little bit about uh, chakras is we usually hear people talk about like, oh, the chakra's blocked. Mm. But we don't often talk about like this idea of imbalance mm -hmm. and like overactivity versus underactivity. And there's a lot of I know from the work that I've done with men, there's a lot of men that start to feel shame and start to wonder, like, am I am I overly sexual? Mm -hmm. Is that overactive? And, you know, the piece there, again, like Lauren's saying, is like transmuting that energy to go throughout the whole rest of your body mm -hmm. balances it. Yeah, channeling it, having yeah. having healthy channels for that energy is really what's needed because we don't want to stop it. We don't want to block it off. We don't want to shame it. Mm -hmm. It's there for a purpose and it's really, really useful energy. Yeah. So in order to make good use of it we need more tools we're just not taught this in our culture and one of the things that uh, you know they talk about this in in qigong all the time mm -hmm. but energy moves through soft tissues yes and we think about how tense how stressed mm. everybody is mm -hmm. well no wonder there's so many people that <laughs> just don't have this energy flowing yeah like it just it can't move anywhere if you're not relaxed yeah and you know part of this is kind of like again like that idea of like the 40 minutes but also what's your practice leading up to when you want to use this energy mm -hmm. maybe you need to do a body scan and just okay can i relax my muscles a little bit maybe it is a movement practice maybe dance maybe mm. you know get something to move that energy because um for for those listening right now 
next time you go into a situation where you're getting sexual, uh, maybe it is a pleasure practice or something, notice how tense you even are when you're doing that on your own, or maybe even just with a partner. But notice how tense we get even when we're trying to move the energy. This is actually a really big thing that came up. Um, I know this is our, our episode about women, but I think it's important to kind of go back and forth. But uh, one of the things that really came up when um, I was talking to some other men about pleasure practice and, and doing that work is how much it's been conditioned to typically finish quickly. Yes. Because of either being afraid uh, as children, being afraid of being caught. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, get it done as fast as possible. So you subconsciously learn ways to finish quicker. Even if you don't consciously want to, your subconscious has been trained to finish quicker. And one of the ways that you can do that is by clenching your, uh, like your, I would say, um, yeah, your your, root chakra, your root chakra, Mm -hmm. but like clenching all those pelvic floor muscles. Yes. Uh, especially for a man, you can actually activate the prostate to a degree by doing that kind of stuff, which is actually speeding up the process. So slowing down your breath and Mm. focusing on relaxing your muscles, whether you're a man or a a woman, relaxing, especially all those pelvic floor muscles at that point in time, unless you're doing a practice where you're relaxing and contracting and you're purposely, like you can purposely pump that energy as well. Yeah, and in Tantra, in, in Neo-Tantra, so um, Urban Tantra, Sacred Sexuality, there's also something called a clench and hold, yeah. which is also another technique to use. But yeah, I think it's important to also address this idea of finishing. So mm. there's a lot of... Um, there is a lot of emphasis on climax, on orgasm. And while orgasm is wonderful and absolutely can be a fantastic release and it it um, releases all kinds of amazing feel-good hormones and everything too, like, yeah, go for orgasm. Mm-hmm. Like, great, awesome. But also, <laughs> pleasure for pleasure's sake, mm-hmm. just when we're talking about um, – moving that energy around orgasm isn't exactly needed either Mm -hmm. it's certainly also effective to simply especially using like your breath and being really conscious of how you're touching yourself and how slow or fast that is and what just feels good for you it's really really beautiful just to use that and breathe deeply and let that spread the energy around your body just so that it, like we were saying, doesn't stay contracted and condensed in this little ball in your pelvis or mm-hmm. at your genitalia. It moves through your body, spread it around, and you feel so much more alive and balanced just having done that, even mm-hmm. without orgasm. For sure. And this was something that I had to really um explore for myself because reclaiming my sexuality part of that was having a self-pleasure practice a pleasure practice in general but kind of like you were saying earlier jason about like not knowing what we like or what feels good i didn't know mm-hmm. i had never been encouraged to find out because sex and pleasure was all about the other person in my experience, in my upbringing. So it was a real journey to say, okay, I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to touch myself sensually and sexually and learn about what feels good from that relaxed place, which is really important when you do a practice like that, because you want to be open to receive touch from yourself in whatever ways feel good. And when you're in that place of openness and receptivity, it is really amazing what can feel great that perhaps had never been part of your experience before, or perhaps had been a negative part of your experience before when you're relaxed enough when you are just open and receptive and in that kind of like parasympathetic nervous system where you're in total rest mode 
anything can feel incredible if you're really, really mindful with it, if you're really present with it. So that was a huge tool for me, expanding my own pleasure and capacity for pleasure, capacity for giving and receiving pleasure, and also starting to learn what I actually liked Mm -hmm. so that I could then communicate that to my partner, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was like, oh, guess what? I like this thing. I didn't think I did, but now I do. And this is around the same time where, you know, you've always had, you've always had crystals and stuff like that around. Yeah, for sure. But then all of a sudden, a lot more in the shape of like eggs and stuff started Mm, showing up. Yoni eggs, yes. Um, And, (laughs) you know, even (laughs) because it hadn't really been a thing, like how, how mind expanding and eye opening it was um, to be witness to that experience Mm -hmm. and that brings up something that i know i've talked to some of my clients about and i i i'm pretty sure you've probably come across it somewhere as well where when people start doing a pleasure practice and they're in relationship how there can be shame around that yeah and this idea of like this energy being finite and that well if you do it if you do it by yourself you you know, whatever that is that you're doing, that you're not going to have anything left for me. That it takes away from yeah, yeah, the other person. But when we think about this idea that you, you brought into play about that simmering, mm-hmm. that idea of like, okay, well, yeah, especially, um, especially for women, I think, because again, men are kind of rocket fuel. So, <laughs> you know, if we do, if we do um, have liftoff, it takes maybe a little bit for the tank to fill up a little bit, but honestly, any guy will probably attest to not usually that long. Yeah. But for uh, women with that simmer analogy, you're just kind of keeping the water hot. Absolutely. And and beyond that, it's like you said, like starting to know what it is that what it is that you like, mm-hmm. what it is that you're experiencing, and how then now we're talking about how do I communicate that? And that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast episode about communicating effectively. For sure. But like you're saying, my experience has been just that the opposite of what you would think that you're depleting your sexual energy or that you won't have any left for your partner. It's actually been the opposite where the more sensual I am, the more pleasure I bring into my, my daily life and into my body and just make that my way of going about my day, the more I have of that to share, the more in that energy I am. And it it goes everywhere. It can, it, can, it can be shared with you. It can be shared with my friends. It can be shared with my students. Like it's just, yeah. Your plants. Your... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You just feel so much more alive and vital and joyful and um, relaxed and just everything flows more easily when you're in that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So highly recommend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm going to bring us back a little okay. bit because there's two areas that I still want to kind of address within this podcast episode. And I want to go into Tantra a little bit deeper okay. and the different types of Tantra. But then I also want to leave space to revisit you know, this journey that you talked about Mm. and talk about, okay, so if we are um, repressed, if we are in this place where we're numbed or overactive or unbalanced or whatever, how we start coming back to a more balanced place. So I think that's, I think that's where I want to leave off on. So why don't we dive a little bit more into Tantra from here? Sure. Absolutely. So there's what most people think about when they think about Tantra and it's what the media often portrays, which is like pure, sexuality kama sutra exactly yeah so let's start breaking this down a little bit more and talk a little bit about uh, neo tantra classical tantra but also the different types sure of tantra absolutely okay so tantra or tantra yoga because this is a form of yoga is actually the predecessor to most modern forms of yoga mm. um tantra has its origins as far back as we can tell right now to about 4000 BCE. So that's like 6000 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a long time. It was first recorded um, in the written language <laughs> at about 700 
um, well, about 600, so the, like 7th century um, current era. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, yes, but we have evidence that dates back to about 4000 BCE of Tantra and Tantra yoga and people practicing these things. So Tantra itself is basically a philosophy that sees every aspect of life as sacred mm-hmm. and as a possible means to enlightenment. Which I think is really beautiful because, and this is why I'm so drawn to it, because it takes the things, especially the taboo things, like sex and death and even money, abundance, as also other paths to enlightenment. Mm -hmm. That it brings everything. So it's a very holistic approach to spirituality. And that's why I love it so much because so many of those things were so taboo for me for so much of my life that it's like, wait, I can use this in like a healthy, balanced way to bring myself to a more healthy, balanced place. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> Integrating all of those pieces of life into your spiritual practice just makes so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing someone describe it as like Neo-Tantra which is this more like modern urban mm-hmm. Tantra is bringing ceremony into your sex mm. and where classical Tantra is more like ceremony is into your life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So classical Tantra comes from the Tantras, which are sacred ancient yoga texts, but those are the ones that were officially written around the 7th century. Um, and classical Tantra is basically an approach to spirituality. The, the goal is enlightenment, is expanded consciousness through ritual, through ceremony, through practice. A lot of meditation, a lot of mantra, a lot of yantra, which are um, sacred um, images. Mm-hmm. So mantras are sacred sounds. Yantras are sacred images. It also brings into a lot of like breath work and even the asanas, the postures, those are all parts of classical Tantra. And it uses those to bring us into a state of expanded awareness or consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that's really the goal of classical Tantra. But it still, it still embraces all of those different aspects of our personalities and our lives and our, our human nature. Mm-hmm. But it does have, it does have a little bit more of a focus on the kind of um, purifying ourselves and purifying the consciousness through so many different oh, means yeah. as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I remember when I first started studying uh, some classical tantra, I was surprised at how much of this work was done around death. Yeah. And again, talk about taboo. But there's so many cultures that we can witness in the past that celebrated the transition Mm. and celebrated this idea of like the legacy or just the journey people have been on. Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole history of Tantra in the crypts in or, or doing sky deaths where people would be up in the mountains where burying you know, burying a body wouldn't necessarily, one, it would seem wasteful and be pretty challenging in that rock. So having um, some of these tantrics meditating while their their fallen community members are around them being consumed by eagles mm-hmm. and how like the idea of their flesh, what they had built in their life is giving life to some other creature and sitting there and being in all that how that has a purifying effect and has an ability to really open your eyes. When we talk about enlightenment, we're talking about seeing, like just truly seeing mm-hmm. this world, exactly. this form, getting like just yeah. acceptance, understanding to the darkness. Yes, exactly. So to see that balance for really what it is, to see the the majesty and just that again that idea of transmuting the energy mm-hmm. here's the energy of whatever this life form was passing on to another life form in this kind of setting that i remember because i was more when i was into this stuff uh, in my early 20s i realized now that was neo tantra but in my misguided ways i was calling it i was calling it just tantra mm-hmm. and i thought that's what it was all about 
And yeah, those other aspects that you talk about with like death, with, with money, with mm-hmm. um, the postures, with breathing and so much of this work. And, and I remember also finding out about how important celibacy was in so much of this practice too. Again, we, we focus so much on the idea of like, yeah, Karma Sutra, sex and, and all this, but tapasya, the idea, we talked about this in our last mm-hmm. um, in our last podcast, but tapas, this idea of willpower and, and not having one specific energy center of your body mm-hmm. or maybe one specific organ in your body dictating the way that you're going to use mm-hmm. this energy. Brahmacharya. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, so being able to do, it would be a very common thing that before men would be... Um, often inducted into a lot of these ceremonies that they would have to do long, long stints of celibacy to really understand the nature of that energy. Yeah. It's like time before you want to become a snake tamer, spend time watching the snakes, <laughs> watch what they do. I love see that. It's the a way snake that they analogy. Move. Well, because, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, you know, Tantra kind of and Kundalini. I'm trying to be clever. Yeah. So watch the snake before you say. Also, there is <laughs> there's definitely subtext to this text. Yeah, there is a little uh, sexual innuendo there with this. Anyway, moving on from there, um, that that is so important to be able to recognize because talking to people about uh, with some of my clients, talking to people about either pleasure practices, talking people t- talking to people about. Um, even like something like polyamory, mm. right? I've heard before, well, people can't be trusted. Mm. I've literally, like the amount of time that that's come up, well, how can you trust? What if you had a couple of drinks? You can't be trusted and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. People don't trust themselves yeah. so much of the time. And how mind blowing is that? Probably because we don't test ourselves. We don't get to know ourselves. Right. Because it is a muscle. Yeah. Willpower in a lot of this Eastern text that we're talking about is seen as, um, being like a tank, a reservoir, and you only have so much of it. So if you're, you know, trying to quit smoking at the same time, you're trying to do some of these things that we're talking about at the same time, you're trying to, I don't know, go on a diet or something like that, you're probably not going to have much success unless you've done work to build that tank, to build that reservoir. And that only happens through testing. And it's, it's more like a muscle. Yep. Building that muscle. You have to exercise the muscle. You have to practice. You have to learn your limits mm-hmm. in order to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So talking about Tantra, and now that we have a bit of a, um, a framework around that now, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the work that had to take place, at least in your journey, mm. to get you to this point. Sure. Because that's when all of this really started flooding in all at once. It was like, even from an outsider looking in, it was like, there is so much information coming in. You're bouncing from thing to thing and it all eventually had to settle. But how was that? uh, How did that come about? And how can other people start to explore some of this? So um, I'll mention the words sacred sexuality which is often something that Neo-Tantra is referred to as, as well, because Neo-Tantra, so we talked a little bit about classical Tantra. Neo-Tantra specifically is more so about the sexuality practice. So sacred sexuality or urban Tantra or whatever you want to call it. This is something that I had always been really intrigued by, but also was still very taboo in my world. Um, And so it wasn't until I really started getting into some much-needed therapy and then expanding my horizons from there through um, other teachers um, offering workshops and retreats around that, around sacred sexuality, around womb wisdom, around um, like women's holistic wellness, like mind, body, soul, sexuality, everything. Um, that I really started getting into Neo-Tantra. This was, um, yeah, something that was kind of introduced to me around the same time that I was going through therapy. And it needed to happen that way for me because as I'd been 
introduced to it previously, it wasn't something I was ready to receive. It wasn't something I was ready to explore because it was still so like outside of my comfort zone. It was still so taboo. It was like so shameful for me. But as I was able to work through my shame and recognize it as shame Mm -hmm. and that it wasn't from within me, it was from the culture that I was raised in. It was from the the religion especially that I was raised in, then I was able to embrace more of that side of myself and explore sacred sexuality as a personal practice, as an approach. And I want to just kind of put something out there for, like referring to the culture Mm. that you were brought up with. Yes, there was the religious side of things. For sure. But there's also the just the culture around us. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. what we see on television. There's mm-hmm. what we read in books. There's mm-hmm. the examples that we see around us and other uh, people relating and carrying forward these models of of relating and, and who's in what position of power and all this kind of stuff. So, like, this is around all of us, whether you were brought up in a specific religious body or not. Like, there's a lot of people whether they recognize it or not, that are getting a lot of this messaging. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So at that point in time, I was finally ready to explore a lot of the things that I had known theoretically in a practical way. So I started by going to some workshops and going to some retreats. I went to an amazing women's retreat that was totally centered around that and was around breaking down those stigmas and breaking down the the shame around our sexuality or of expressing ourselves however we need to express ourselves. And that was a really beautiful stepping stone that launched me into some really amazing online courses. Um, Layla Martin is someone that I absolutely, absolutely recommend if you're looking at getting into some of this. She has a huge video library on YouTube. Um all around this. Mm -hmm. And I started going into her courses and that was a deep dive for me. It was massively transformational. For about three months, I was in that container of the the online uh, course with her. And every month the theme was slightly different, but it was It's all around sacred sexuality, whether that's through the lens of your body or through the lens of money or through the lens of um, self-pleasure or through whatever. But it was it was really, really amazing that I got to learn from her and from a lot of her other teachers who have done this work previously, Mm. who have really done the work for themselves and now with other people to bring especially women into a more empowered place and knowledgeable place about their own bodies and sexuality. So that's where I really, really started to expand through that. So I, I developed a pleasure practice. I developed a self-pleasure practice. I really started diving deep into these tantric tools that I had always used in yoga, but now I'm using them in a different way. Mm-hmm. It's just, for me, more embodied, more holistic, and embraces all of those pieces. And the piece that was missing, particularly for me, was sexuality. Mm-hmm. And as a human, I just feel a lot more balanced overall as a result of all that. And I'm open to so many more experiences that I never thought were possible for me or that I would enjoy. And our relationship mm-hmm. has improved I, I can't even describe how much mm-hmm. it has changed, how much it has improved as a result of me working through the shit that I had to go through. And it's incredible to think like <clears throat> we just celebrated our ninth wedding anniversary. Yeah. And so by this point in time, we were already married for quite a few years. Yeah, like six years. And it's not that we felt like our marriage wasn't good. No, we had a great marriage. Yeah. Um, but we just didn't know that it could be that much better. Yeah. Which is again, higher potential yes, living. Exactly. Uh, and one of the things I want to talk about, cause we're talking about relationship now mm-hmm. is for any men or even any women who are listening to this, thinking about how this is going to impact your relationship. Mm. You know, frankly, there, there are some things that come up mm-hmm. because now you are being either 
forced to communicate in new ways to describe what you're going through, to try to bring your partner along the journey, or it's going to feel like it's driving a big wedge between you. Yeah. If you can't do that. Yeah. And that started happening with us. It did. Um, where I'm looking at this journey that you're going on and thinking, am I getting left behind here? Like what, mm. what's happening? Who's this person that, you know, I, I married six years ago and all this kind of stuff. And luckily I'd seen, I'd seen glimpses of this woman, you know, come up throughout the whole relationship. So when this untamed goddess, <laughs> um, came forward was like, ah, okay. Yeah, there she is. And luckily that was the part that I, I, I loved. Mm. So it was just more of that. Hence, you know, bringing our relationship into this more full, um, place. But that's, that is some of the things that, um, some of the men that I've worked with have experienced in their relationships that all of a sudden, because there is, I think generally there is an awakening, if you want to call it that, or a shift that's happening from all this conditioning we were talking about. Now there are better examples. Now there are more resources, people like yourself and Layla Martin and that are um, opening the door for a lot of people. So there are a lot of confused men out there um, that are like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. And it feels like for a lot of these um, clients and people I work with, it feels like a midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. It feels like my wife is all of a sudden, she wants to, she wants to go and do all this other stuff. She wants to go on these retreats. She's, you know, starting to dye her hair. She's starting to do all this kind of stuff. And like, I just don't know who this person is anymore. And there's this theory of three degrees of separation, which you know, how you measure these degrees, I don't really know. <laughs> but I remember yeah. one of my teachers explaining this to me that when you get to these three degrees of separation from your partner on, and, and I don't want to reference this to just a lateral or sorry, like a, a vertical growth, because mm -hmm. we often think of it like I'm leaving you behind and I'm shooting for the stars. But even this lateral separation mm -hmm. of, of like now we are reading different kind of content we're listening to different things our hobbies are turning a little bit different and so on and so forth um that that once you get those three degrees that resentment builds mm -hmm. resentment from either side one like why can't you keep up with me and resentment of like well where are you going you're the one that's changing things you're the one that's you know ruining our marriage because <laughs> we were great until now and now all this stuff is happening and and so on and so forth. And so this is where I really emphasize that this is going on in your relationship. One, don't take it personally. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about in this podcast already, at no point um, has Lauren started pointing any fingers at me or blaming me for anything. Maybe at the time, there was some of that. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I don't feel safe right now and I need more space. Or um, I felt like I've had to show up for you in ways that I wasn't necessarily ready for. And like that kind of stuff mm -hmm. can make you feel a little hurt at times. But knowing that we all have these bags of trauma that we're carrying around with us everywhere, recognizing that, okay, well, she or he, depending on what side of the, the fence you are on this um, dynamic, is going through something right now. And when we think of what love is, true love, which is accepting uh, the person that you're loving, accepting them for what they're going through, for who they are, their traumas, their their joys, their sorrows, all this kind of stuff, really accepting them, then you don't take it personally, which is, I know, very difficult. Yeah, for sure. So as these pleasure practices are coming into play and in all this, changing dialogue to say, um, especially we lived in a tiny home at the time, mm -hmm. <laughs> saying, I need you to leave for the next 30 minutes because I have to do my pleasure practice. Yeah, that was a little bit in the beginning to be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here now. No, no, no. I want to do a personal pleasure practice. Okay. I'm, uh, I'll be outside. Send me a text when you're done or something. And um, yeah, holding yeah. space for that. Took some, took some communication. Took yeah, some, uh, but that's getting... the thing. Like communication is so key with this because it's, um, <laughs> and it, it, that's also a practice in and of itself. A lot of us aren't taught to communicate in that way and so having those difficult conversations become all the more important as you are growing and changing and dealing with things that perhaps it's been you know long enough and mm -hmm. you're like now is the freaking time and 
I'm not avoiding this anymore. Like, that's amazing. Run with that. But do communicate it to your partner if you have one because... And recognize that, yes, you're going through something. Yeah. But this is probably pretty confusing for your partner Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Having compassion on both sides, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it is difficult and there will be challenges. There certainly were for us. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there continue to be, maybe not to the extreme that there were, but... Yeah, we still have to communicate. Yeah, we still we have to still... sit down from time to time and yeah. say, okay, what's a, what are we going to talk about? What's the conversation? You know, how are things working? Are there ways that we can support each other more? Is there, you yeah, know, something checking else in with like? one another sure. is something we do regularly as to like, how are you feeling? How are you, are you feeling, feeling fulfilled? How are you doing in our relationship how are you doing on your own with your relationship with yourself like all of these kinds of things are things that we talk about regularly because it's important to us that we are on the same page and the more that i know where you're at yeah the because there's all this stuff about we could get into about expectations and i know that we're pretty much out of time Mm. but um when you really understand what your partner is going through or the people around you um what they're going through then again, it's so much easier not to take it personally because you have a bigger picture. When we make assumptions, most of the time we're making assumptions off of such limited data. Yeah. But the more that we're communicating, the more that we're checking in, more of that data we get and the more we can understand. We don't have to assume. We can actually just be told. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on briefly, because so many people have heard of the five love languages. When we're talking about pleasure practice, I like to... Think of those five love languages, languages, which we usually talk about in relationship with somebody else. So the five love languages, um, which you can, if you want to get the full in-depth on this, you can, you can Google it. There's all kinds of stuff out there. But it's words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, gifts, and acts of service. So if you're looking to have a personal practice, you can also recognize, you know, maybe what my language is. And how can I speak that language to myself? Mm -hmm. Because there's so much emphasis around being in relationship with one or more people that we forget about the relationship with ourselves. So if you're a words of affirmation person, maybe setting up a safe place and telling yourself that you're beautiful, Mm -hmm. telling yourself that you're worthy, that you are love or you are loved. You know, all this kind of stuff can be such a great way to bring pleasure without any kind of physical touch whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And then if it is that you are a physical touch kind of person, give yourself a hug, give yourself a head massage, give yourself um, a chest massage or a foot massage. Yeah, breast massage, women. Yes, absolutely. If you search Lauren Wolf on Spotify, I think you will find a breast massage playlist on there. Oh yeah, definitely. One of my playlists is for breast massage, Um, (laughs) which is a beautiful pleasure practice, by the way. Yeah, again, sensual versus sexual. Exactly. It's very sensual. And if if you want to know more about that, like, yeah, message me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where do we leave off? Acts of service, you know, do things for yourself. Set up a scenario where you can relax. Set up a, a nice bath and candles or whatever. Mm. Or arrange Trick your... yourself a nice meal. Yeah, all these kinds of things, yeah. right? And uh, gifts, well, I think we all understand where that can come from. But a gift doesn't need to be like spending a whole bunch of money. A gift can be Picking a token. yourself some flowers. Yes, beautiful example. And uh, am I missing one? Oh, quality time. Quality time. Yeah, which is a huge one. Because how often do we slice out time just for us yeah just to say this is my time now i can take a nap i can read a book i can scream cry dance sing whatever i need to do this is my time with me Mm. and check in with yourself in that time that's how you make it quality time with yourself not just you sitting in a room while your mind is wandering to the future or the past but bring yourself to the present and check in and that is beautiful quality time Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, my love. We are at that point. So (laughs) if someone is looking to make a shift, if someone's looking even just to learn more, what are some resources? Absolutely. So um, some great resources outside of this podcast. There's also um, Laura Ellen's podcast. She's an amazing Kiwi um, sexual wellness educator. She has a great podcast called The Sexual Wellness Podcast. 
I highly recommend it. There's even some great episodes that are like how to get started with sacred sexuality or how to get started with a self-pleasure practice. Like I mentioned, Layla Martin has a huge video library on YouTube. It's Layla Martin, L-A-Y-L-A. And she talks about everything from, yeah, like the basics to some more advanced, like partnered tantric practices. Um, If you are looking to dive a little bit into Tantra, I do have my course coming up. I am running another um, five-week online course called the Tantric Toolkit, and it's starting in October. It's open to everyone, regardless of gender, and we will be talking about five Tantric tools that you can use anywhere and everywhere, anytime you like, to bring yourself more present with whatever experience you're having, as well as to just improve and grow your relationship with yourself, including with your sexuality. So how do people find information? About you can this? find me on Facebook and Instagram at the untamed goddess. Um, the Instagram handle is the underscore untamed underscore goddess. Um, or you can go to my website, which is the untamed And through that, you can contact me about one-on-one coaching for women's wellness, womb wisdom, sensuality, all of those good things. You will also be able to sign up for the Tantric Toolkit through that as well. And uh, registration is opening tomorrow, actually, for that. Um, So it would be the day that this podcast is being released. So there you go. (laughs) Don't tell people how last minute I am. (laughs) Um, It's all good. Amazing. Thank you so much. And of course, uh, you can also contact... Uh, me and I'm happy with any of our guests that I have on the show to put you in touch if that ever becomes a thing. All right. Thank you so much, Lauren, for agreeing to be here Mm. and having this conversation with me. You're so welcome. And hopefully um, there's some more to come. Oh, yeah. There's so much we didn't get to talk about, but that's just because, you know, time is an infinite resource or a finite resource, rather. Unfortunately, that one is a little (laughs) bit I wish, I wish. (laughs) All right, my love. We will talk again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Higher Potential Living Podcast. If you would like to learn more about Higher Potential Living and the services we offer, please visit www.higherpotentialliving.com. We offer different online courses, in-person courses, mindfulness and meditation retreats, and we have a variety of different coaches that are there to help you with anything that you might be going through. So please check us out. You can also help support the work we do by subscribing to this podcast anywhere you're listening and of course, sharing it and telling your friends all about it. Thank you so much and have a great day.